We don't just, you know, have them over recess for no reason. We don't suspend. There's not in-school suspension. There's not, you know, there's not just a blanket punishment anymore. It's like, think about what you did that was wrong and how you can fix it and make it better. And so they're very, they're more self-aware. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So today I'm very excited uh, to have a guest here who is going to talk with us about restorative practices and responsive classrooms, utilizing a variety of social and emotional learning techniques. And this is a teacher that uh, past has been very fortunate to know for a number of years and to um, be very excited to sort of share her journey. And so joining us today is Allison McManus, um, who is a third grade teacher at Herbert Mills Steam Elementary School in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. And if that school sounds vaguely familiar, it's because we've done a couple episodes actually uh, with teachers from Herbert Mills because quite frankly, they're pretty, pretty darn awesome rock stars um, in the sense that uh, they've grabbed onto um, every sort of immersive teaching strategy you can think of, and they figured out how to roll them in to create a really, really amazing elementary school culture. So, Allison, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I want to, for folks who may not remember or folks who are just joining the program, um, first, just tell us a little bit about Herbert Mills, sort of set the stage for us for the work that you've been doing around restorative practices. So let's start with Herbert Mills STEAM because it's actually a pretty special place. It is special. We have gone through lots of changes over the past several years. We've transitioned from a traditional school to a STEM school and now a STEAM school. And our practices are rooted with a global focus, and um, we try to tie what we do, the real-world problems, to the UN Global Goals for Sustainability. And so all of those things about being a responsible global citizen really lend themselves to all of the SEL initiatives that we're trying to incorporate to our, our daily lives there with the kiddos. And um, so we've really come in, we've settled into a culture that we all really love and believe in. And the staff has gone all in over the past two years to really shift our thinking and our practices to focus on the social emotional growth with the students too. And we've completely shifted from a punitive system to one based on logical consequences and restorative practices. Um, And it's been really amazing. It has been, and I've been in the school and in a few of the classrooms where you've been utilizing those techniques, and it's a completely different vibe when you walk into that classroom where the kids know it's different. And so for folks that don't understand sort of what 
restorative practices means. Let, let's start with that. So what's the theory and philosophy that you guys grabbed onto, the sort of bigger global piece of it? And then we'll get, dig it into the weeds about how you adapted this specifically for Herbert Mills, because that's the other piece. Successes come from taking great ideas and strategies, but being able to personalize them to the environment, the community, the students, the participants specifically. So let's start with the big picture. What does restorative practice mean for folks? who might not know. Restorative practices focuses on restoring damage that was done and focusing on logical consequences, good or bad, of whatever happens. And so, you know, I'm speaking from my own knowledge about an actual definition in front of me, but we've had lots and lots and lots of training over the past few years. And really what it focuses on is... It's upped up the communication that we have within our classroom in the building and it focuses on why things are happening and how we can fix it within our own culture. Sometimes it's within just a duo of students. Sometimes it's a small circle. Sometimes it's the whole class. Sometimes it's the whole school. Um, My co-teacher and I have had circles to restore damage that's done between two classes at once. So it's just um, a shift to where we're focusing on the root of why things are happening, and if there are some negative effects of things that are happening, looking at how we can repair things and restore them to what they need to be. And it's through communication and understanding, knowledge, and training, right. education. And so it's, it's a process. We're still a work in process, but the whole staff has really just decided to, to make this a practice that is important to us and that we're going to go all in for. And it's really shifted how our building feels and works. So can you, Allison, can you give folks an example? So you said that, you know, between the two classrooms, you use this process mm-hmm. to, to resolve something. So um, can you can you give folks a tangible example, sure. right? It's, it's really, really abstract until you see it or feel it in action, right. uh, which is kind of hard to share, right. um, you know, over a, a, over a podcast. So uh, can you give us an example, walk folks through something that was real right. um, okay. and how you made it work? Yeah. So our element, obviously I'm in an elementary school. And so our elementary examples might be a little different than some older grades. I know that restorative practices like in a high school can focus sometimes on reintegrating a student after suspension and restoring damage that was done within the school there. Within our elementary school, we've gone from... Since we started this, we have virtual no suspensions. Um, We handle everything in-house through this. And every classroom handles their own restorative practices in a different way. And it's based on what the need is in the classroom. So I can give you an example of one that we did just this year. Um, My co-teacher and I with... Actually, we did one with all four third grade classes this year. That's an even better example. We were finding that there we had a couple of whole third grade circles. And we found an open space in the school. We circled up the whole third grade. And one of the problems we were having was the kids were roasting each other <laughs> in, in their turn. They were doing what? Roasting. Like things like okay. they, they call it roasting, like joking with each other. And sometimes it would escalate into making mm-hmm. fun of hurt feelings. Then it could lead to fights. And it was, it was becoming an issue that was happening on recess. And we were noticing in the cafeteria, it was a whole third grade problem. We're departmentalized and we switch with each other and we all have interactions with all of the third graders. And so it was it was just a little pop-up of an issue that was becoming consistent that we wanted to address. And so we pulled them all together and 
you know, we talked about what we noticed and we had a restorative circle with the whole grade where everybody talked about, you know, the issues that they had and, and why it was leading to hurt feelings, what the problem was. We came up with solutions. And before we left that day, they were like hugging and fist bumping and agreeing to, to fix the problem. And, and it worked. We had another circle earlier in the year where we were noticing that things were becoming too physical at recess. And Mm -hmm. one of the results of that one was agreeing to just not touch at all for any reasons, even if it's a sport, that the physicality was leading to problems. Um, So that's just an example. But Mm -hmm. we we have much smaller scale circles that if there's an issue that pops up within the classroom, sometimes we'll just stop what we're doing We'll circle up in the room and we'll solve the problem. Um, everybody talks one at a time. You can give your feelings. You can choose not to. And you just decide how to fix it as a group. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I love about this process is that it is, um, it's very equitable. Mm-hmm. right? When done right, it, it's a, it levels the playing field, whatever that sort of leveling needs to, to be. And mm-hmm. it gives all the participants not only an equal opportunity and an equal voice, but equal, equal weight in finding a solution. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then I would assume that that then translates or transitions into all the things the kiddos are doing in the classroom. Yes. Is that an accurate portrayal yes. that you, you see the experience carry over into oh, yes. the everyday, the mundane? It's been amazing because now we've been doing it for a few years. And so the terminology of circles and the restorative, they know what restorative means. They know what a community building circle is. Um, We have embedded a lot of the responsive classroom traits into our school Mm -hmm. as well. And that's sort of how it started of learning how we talk to the students, how they should talk to each other and that shift. And that kind of lent itself to the restorative part easing in a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the kids are so familiar with it because it's we use that language and those things that to help them throughout the whole school that it's just it's part of the culture of the building. We have chill chairs throughout the school where they can take a minute to chill and calm themselves down. The the teachers are using common language and the kids know that like logical consequences are a factor now in our building. Most times when they have done something, I made a poor choice or done something wrong, they'll know ahead of time mm-hmm. what they need to do to fix that problem. Because we we don't just, you know, have them over recess for no reason. We don't suspend. There's not in school suspension. There's not, you know, there's not just a blanket punishment anymore. It's like think about what you did that was wrong and how you can fix it and make it better. And so they're very they're more self-aware and they're more more aware of how they impact everybody else there. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we have students now who pretty consistently around the building, I see it happening. They sometimes ask for the circles themselves. Um, oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah, that's fascinating. It. That's a real win. It is a super big win. When that first started happening, that was the best thing that we were noticing. That was just, It was so great. So it, it, it happens where they're requesting it and sometimes they'll want our help to do it. They'll ask Mm -hmm. us if they can have one. And then there's other times we'll be at recess and we'll see one happening from a distance where they don't even need us and they're taking care of it. Amazing. That that is just like, the world should celebrate with you because that is epic. Yes. We're pretty proud of that. Yeah. We have, we've had circles with, you know, various stakeholders. There's been circles with parents, students, teachers, bus drivers, 
it's a normal part of their lives now. And we, as a school, we have tried to educate the families about what we're doing. And so we have heard through some of the parents that there is a carryover happening at home too. They know what it is and and use it. Um, But when we see it within the walls of our school, it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is. That is absolutely... I mean, congratulations because that is... That is a game changer. And that is is true culture shift inside of a school. And that is the epitome of a transformative process, right? Because until we have culture shift, it won't stick. Mm -hmm. It's just a transitional thing, right? But when the culture itself shifts and it becomes embedded as part of the everyday, it has a lasting legacy sort of component, both good and bad, right? It can happen with good things. It can happen with bad things. And so, you know, what what a huge win to see something um, as positive as that's awesome. We're so proud. So I want to talk a little bit, you should be proud. (laughs) Um, I want to talk a little bit about the idea of the responsive classroom because I understand what that is, but we may have listeners who don't really understand the nuts and bolts. And to your point, that's the restorative came out of the responsive classroom trainings that you guys have done. And you guys now lead that in your building and other places within your district. So so share with folks about what exactly is responsive classroom um, and what might a training for that look like if others wanted to say engage in that? So responsive classroom, and I didn't know what it was or what it was about until a group of staff members from our building went to a training. Um, I believe it might have been a three or four day training during the summer. Mm -hmm. And we did a train the trainer situation. And we had a representative from each grade level that came back and then taught our teams of um, what the traits are. And we started implementing things slowly. So the great thing is within an our within our building our administrators gave us the freedom to really invest in this how how it works for our classrooms and and start slow and not feel like we're taking away from content, you know, academic content mm-hmm. to be able to you know initiate these things in our classrooms. And so once we got that training, we and I would say different teams and different teachers kind of decided how they wanted to start after that. Right. Um, and so the responsive classroom traits focus on a shift in really responding to how you respond to each other and, mm-hmm. and the needs of the classroom. So there's a shift in the teacher language. There are specific examples of how to get better results out of the kids and yourselves, how you word things and just being more intentional. There's a focus on logical consequences. There's a focus on the community building. So we had lots of training on how to start with um, morning meetings. And um, in our school, for the most part, I think that's how most of us started, was trying to incorporate Mm -hmm. morning meetings every day and building that community through there. And the morning... if Excuse me. If you walk around our building, it's awesome to see all of the meetings happening throughout the day. With the students, mm-hmm. um, it incorporates SEL components, academic components. You can make them more um, academic, uh, instructional if you want to. And so it focuses on that. And it really focuses on the students becoming more aware of their actions and how to regulate themselves. So one of the things that our school really decided to pick up on right away and that we found big changes with was as space, they talk about finding a space in your classroom and the students, it's best if the students name it and <laughs> name that space mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, 
choose what's in it. In our most spaces in our school, it's a chill chair or a chill zone. And there's a space. It's it's not like a timeout. It's, it has a more positive spin to it. But the mm-hmm. students can choose to go sit there if they're feeling either amped up in a good way or a bad way and calm themselves down. We have sensory tools over there. Um, to help mm-hmm. them. And we've utilized these chill chairs throughout our whole building. Um, so that's one of the things from the responsive classroom that really has had a lasting effect on us and, and the teacher language and um, the, the circles. And so there were just some really good things that we started with that, where we were choosing to speak in better ways. Um, and some of us mm-hmm. didn't even realize. And that was very hard for us as adults who were just used to how we work things and realizing that that may not be the best way to get results. And it's still, for me personally, that's still a work in progress for me is my teacher language. I have, it's, mm-hmm. It was so ingrained that I have to still rethink how I speak. And so we have just focused on this and we do, we, um, we help each other out out with ideas Mm -hmm. within our building. Mm -hmm. And we have been fortunate enough to be able to share our knowledge with other places. But really starting with that, it had such a positive impact on the students and us. And it was calmer almost immediately within our building. Mm -hmm. It was calmer. I think everybody realized, the students realized we were (laughs) well-intentioned and Mm -hmm. we wanted the best Mm -hmm. for them. And that community building with the circle every day it just made a difference in being departmentalized. We choose to have, we have circles with each block of students. It's not just a morning thing. You can kind of choose when you want to do right. it. And so because that kind of set the tone, the restorative practices of, you know, when you have a circle <laughs> to repair some mm-hmm. sort of damage when something negative has happened, you're all more open to each other to listen to what's happening. And, and um, have more skills to handle it. We vote. We focused on the zones of regulation. We've had all of these mm-hmm. things that just lent themselves to it becoming a positive, <laughs> successful thing within the building. And it is, like I said, when you walk into the building. Um, I was there um, in the fall, uh, late fall, I guess it was, because it was pretty cold. And you know the the you, the vibe in the building is very different mm-hmm. and and the vibe in the building um, in the years that I've been involved with Herbert Mill has always been great it's always been a wonderful school but there has been a shift and it's yes. very noticeable yes. um you know if you'd not been there before maybe or maybe you wouldn't have noticed it's hard to say but um for folks who have been in and out and also who who go in a lot of school buildings yes. which we do <laughs> um at past um it, it it's it's noticeable and i think one of the other things that although you may or may not realize it but i suspect that there is some uh some underlying component to it are the fact that all of the teachers and the staff, you are you are learning as you put, uh, you know, you're you are changing your own language, yes. right? And as you are doing that, you are learning in real time with your kids, right? And yes. so they are watching adults learn with them, and there's power in that because it shifts the dynamic of the classroom. That yes. now you are, you are a learner, not just a teacher, and that's important for kids to see yes. in adults because they learn how to learn from you. Not just the nuts and bolts, but also the way you apply it. So that's pretty powerful as well. Thank you. It, it is. It, it it is a whole staff thing. It it and and I like that you said it was a great place before. It really was. And I've mm-hmm. been at Herbert oh, yeah. Mills. I'm a diehard 
Herbert Mills <laughs> person, you know, like I've been there from the beginning of my career and I love it. And I've stayed there on purpose for a reason. And so it's always been a great place. And I think that we're changing with the times for the better. And mm-hmm. it really has made a difference. And we, we had, we got a grant for year long PD when this started, all SEL based PD that it was not mm-hmm. just responsive or restorative. We had PD on privilege, bias, redlining, you know, all mm-hmm. of these things that impact how the world works. And all of that in combination with the actual classroom training we were getting is it, it was a game changer. You think about things differently. Mm-hmm. You think about how you speak to people differently and the opportunities that we have. Like it's, it's just been different and you can feel a difference in the building for sure. Yeah. And it's really awesome. And it's one of those things that, you know, it doesn't take but a few steps in and you appreciate how much time and effort and thought went into ensuring that environment gives you that warm, fuzzy Mm -hmm. feeling when you go in there, right? You know, it's an elementary school. You should go in there and just be completely jazzed. And that's what happens to me when I go, when I'm in in amazing, you know, school environments. When I walk away, that's when I notice it the most because I walk away and I'm absolutely uplifted and I'm inspired (laughs) and I'm jazzed and I can't wait to see what happens next um, in that building. And so those are wonderful pieces. Talk to us a little bit about the parent component Mm -hmm. in all of this or the community component. There's um, something at Herbert Mills that you guys utilize called called Parent University. Mm -hmm. What exactly is that? And how does it all tie these pieces through? So that's actually a district-wide initiative, the Parent University. Mm -hmm. And it... So, and we have several members from our school that are part of that district team. And so one of the... And it it got postponed because of the closure, but there was going to be... Mm -hmm. um, And there probably will be eventually there um, an SEL session. So within the, the district, you know, we started with these restorative practices die hard and we're completely committed to it. And it has become a district initiative, you know, and a state focus now, mm-hmm. um, you know, grade band mm-hmm. standards for SEL. So the district has parent universities that they've started this year, uh, where it's open to the community of parents within Reynoldsburg to attend and just learn about things that are happening within our district. Um, so there's an SEL one focused on that. Personally, within our building, we're constantly educating the parents and communicating about what's happening and the changes we've made. You know, we focus at PTO meetings on um, some sort of in- informative component, and you know, this has been part of it of educating the parents about what we're doing and why, and the good things that we've noticed from it. And we start off the school year, like meet the teacher. It's a component of that night. Here's what we do. Mm-hmm. Here's the type of circles. When you hear circles, this is what it means. When you hear about a chill chair, this is what it is and what it means. And it's not a bad thing. Um, so just the education. And feel free, to, free to, to, to put one at home if your right. kid asks for that, right? right? right. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, it's just all about speaking of it, you know, not just to our students, but letting the families know about what we're doing in, at school. So it's, you know, it's not alarming and there's, and understanding with it and, and educating about that. So we start off the school year with that so that they just know that that's part of us now. So do you think that the parents, because of this work, whether it be through the district-wide parent university or more specifically the Herbert Mills parents, 
Do you do you feel like over the course of the year, especially I'm thinking about new families who are not so familiar with mm-hmm. Herbert Mills, right? They they have a new kid, they've they've moved into, or their child's just now old enough to be attending the school, mm-hmm. all those hosted different things. Do you think that these internal mechanisms that you've put in place and the work that you've done to ensure that the families are running side by side with you, not behind you, not in front of you, but that they are your partner in that work? not only have been beneficial, but do you think that that has made significant inroads as it relates to what your kids know and when? In other words, that retention and understand that deep thinking of knowledge, not just the sort of, yeah, we we studied that, but that they're able to bring it back later as you do more and more of your PBL work mm-hmm. and you sort of stack and scaffold these things. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it's, it's lent itself to working with each other. We've seen positive results. You know, we do so much PBL within our school. Our students have, they're just used to working with each other. They have to mm-hmm. work, with, work within a group. They solve most of their problems themselves based on the grade level. They know how to better communicate. And I really think that for the most part, from what I, from what I hear and know, we've been doing this for a few years now and the parents, um, they have an understanding of it. And I think what has truly helped with that is the students are the best advocates for it. They go mm-hmm. home and they talk about, you know, I had a circle. We've heard from parents that they they hear about the circles when they get home and how great it is. And the kid feels relieved that something's resolved or, you know, that sort of thing. So the kids talking about it positively and the positive effects of it, I think is, is helping. And I think that there's a better understanding of it. And I really do think, you know, it's all intertwined and we focus so mm-hmm. much on being a good global citizen, like a responsible person and having a positive impact on the world and the focus on the global goals and those being tied to what we do and tossing away extra things that you haven't used or that you think you don't need. We talk about, are you being a responsible consumer? You know, all of those types of Mm -hmm. things. And I think that there's carryover of that. Um, And the students, they really see the connection. You know, they're using words that are amazing now because we have just mm-hmm. incorporated it into into life there. I, right. I see a lot of carryover in all grade levels, ages. And I do think you had mentioned some new families too. I think there is a lot of like communication that has to happen if, if someone's coming in who hasn't seen this process happen within our building. Um, and I think sometimes there's questions, you know, just from those of us who grew up without this style of teaching and learning in this mindset. And there are so many people thinking of like the old school ways of punishment or handling problems and question sometimes why that's not happening. And then I just think over time when, when you can see the results of it and they hear the positive feedback from their own children, it makes a huge difference. And we can communicate what we see as positive effects within the classroom too. It, it doesn't take long to buy into this new great way of thinking about things. Right. And I think that the other thing that's really interesting with this, and I guess this was really sort of the heart of my question, sometimes, and it depends on your location and a whole host of factors, we all know that, but oftentimes what I hear from schools, especially elementary schools, is that they struggle so mightily with parent engagement Mm -hmm. and how to really truly get parents to socially, emotionally, physically, um, and in the moment, invest 
not only in their individual kid, but in the school and the school culture itself. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that through this mechanism, you have a completely different level of parent engagement in your classroom than did previous. Is that the case or is it just sort of seem that way? I mean, from the outside looking in. No, I think it's different and I think it's better for sure. And I think, you know, parent engagement just in general, and there's all sorts of factors that go into that. Mm -hmm. And and it's not... You know, that it's a continual work in progress to get more people engaged and active and aware of what we're doing and why. But I, you know, personally, just for myself through the transition of this whole thing, I think the more we communicate about it and, and the more the students have talked about it, you know, the parents are using the terminology now and are accepting mm-hmm. of it. And I do think that they're more engaged, at least with learning about it and being involved with it than I think what used to happen. And I don't know, I, Mm -hmm. and that's just me, but you know, we've had parents, I personally in my classroom, and I am sure it has happened in other places have have asked to initiate circles and have talked about the positive impact that their child has felt at home and the communication at home that's happening because of how something's been handled at school. Mm -hmm. So I think that, there, I, I think that they're engaged with it and accepting of it and willing to learn about it. But, you know, parent engagement, just in, we can all do a better job with it of trying to get more involved. And it's a continual work in progress. It's, it, it is for all schools. Yes. It's not unique to Herbert Mills. Right. And I wasn't suggesting that. No, you know, no, just I know. For anybody listening, this is, this is a global issue, right? I mean, there are so many things that families, no matter what that family makeup looks like, are juggling, right? Life happens. There's the real world. And then there's this other thing, right? There's this thing that we do with our kids. And, and it, it's a lot of work. And it's one of those things that will, will always be an ongoing process and a work in process, right? Because it has to be an effort that changes along with the times where we are in the world. Um, and so, uh, that, which gives me the perfect segue uh, because this episode will come out while we are all um, still in this unique space um, in the U.S. Uh, with COVID-19. Our governor just, you know, uh, announced that we will not be returning to school physically this, this academic year, which, although not a surprise to everybody, you know, in the world of education was nonetheless disappointing on some levels, right? Because where everybody is collectively sort of missing that human touch. And yet, how have you, or or I assume two things. So let me me back up and this will be sort of the last piece of our conversation. But I think that folks are going to be really curious about this, right? Because there's a lot of conversation about how, how are schools doing with the shift to virtual? And it's a mixed bag and that's not what our conversation today is about. But I'm really, really curious. I'm, I'm going to assume that because of all the amazing work that you've been doing all year long prior to this and your kids, by the time they get to third grade, and this is a school-wide thing, mm-hmm. that this, whether it be the restorative component or the responsive classroom that they are they are enmeshed in, that a lot of those qualities carry over into the experience you're able to have with your kids in a virtual setting. And on some levels, and I don't want to trivialize it, it I would assume it's been easier in the sense that you you understand your kids very, very well and they understand you. And so there's that sort of symbiotic sort of 
uh, notion of we're sort of in this together. But do you think that because your school functions this way, that it has sort of had an interplay in the sort of virtual efforts that you guys have been making? Or is it hard to tell? I think so. I think I feel it. Mm -hmm. We have been having virtual circles through Google Meet. And that was pretty amazing to have that in real time and talking about how we feel about this and what's going on and suggestions and how can we help you handle this better or what do you need from us. I think it's lent itself to us. The kids know that we're out for their best interest and we'll do all that we can. And it has, you know, I feel like we we know our kids really well. And mm-hmm. and like you said, they know us and there's such an emphasis on talking through your feelings and, um, you know, just the communication has been amped up since we've started all of this. But having to communicate completely away from each other through this mm-hmm. whole time has like forced us to really be so intentional about what you're typing each time mm-hmm. and communicate mm-hmm. what you really mean and feel. Um, and the messages that we see from each other, we use Seesaw, the online portfolio. Mm-hmm platform and that has been a lifesaver to get videos on there and messages and trying to be positive about things through there knowing that they might need that extra positivity at home that that has been amazing and the google meets have been amazing and we've tried to continue some normalcy through that mm-hmm. by having mm-hmm. the circles and i think because that's already that already was established in our classroom of how that works and you know that it's open you can say what you want in there and we still, it's one person talks at a time and, and they're chatting while the Google Meet circle is happening. They're using the chat feature and they're commenting, oh, I'm sorry, or that's so great, or I miss you to each other in the chat. It's mm-hmm. like priceless. And so even, it's awesome. like so great and so sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we mm-hmm. all knew it was coming and it's the best, safest mm-hmm. decision to not go back. But it's so sad at the same time to think of not having that closure with the group. And mm-hmm. so we, I feel like the communication is amped up. All we do is communicate all day with the kids, with each other. Mm-hmm. So it's been pretty amazing. And I've heard that from other groups, schools, other nonprofits, other organizations, other entities, talking about the fact that on some levels, we are all better communicators as a result of Agreed. this. Mm-hmm. And that is not a bad outcome. Right. Agree. Right. Uh, it will only make us better when we get back to whatever the new normal is going to right. be. Um, and the other piece of it, I think, you know, it's always an important reminder. Kids are incredibly resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, and they surprise us every day. So um, I want to thank you very much, Allison, thank for you. giving us time, for sharing your journey um, with us. I will make sure that we uh, post uh, some resources for folks who want to learn awesome. more um, about this and certainly encourage them to uh, reach out to somebody who's been uh, doing it and doing it very successfully. So again, wow. Uh, thank you yes, so much for you. sharing I love the sharing about it. <laughs> yes, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education. <laughs>